Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind, the mixtape. This is the episode where we discuss 10 albums chosen by each of us, myself, Michael, and John on the other side, uh, from a certain year. We are now into the year 1988. So, we're going to go through our top 10 list. No, in particular order, I don't think. John, you didn't do yours in any particular order this time, did you? Mm, not really. Kind of, but no. Hey, don't change the rules on me now. <laughs> All right, so while I get drunk from a hideous day of work, and he gets drunk from a... Did you work today? No, but it's been a long uh, long three weeks of six-day work weeks. So we're going to chill, relax. It's hot as shit down here. I feel like throwing a whole bunch of popsicles down my trousers. <laughs> so let's get to it. What is your first one? All right, so my first one's going to be Megadeth. So far, so good, so what? And this is like one of those albums I think kind of gets lost in the shuffle of Megadeth albums because it follows the magnificent Peace Cells and it precedes, you know, like also magnificent Rust in Peace. So you kind of get this album that's kind of there. It's not, not that it didn't do well or anything like that, but you, no one ever says, oh yeah, the best album is totally so far so good, so what? Even though it has like, their cover of Anarchy in the UK. It's got the Cliff Burton tribute song, In My Darkest Hour. You know, I mean, there's Hook and Mouth, which is uh, Attack on the PMRC. Like, it's there's a lot of good stuff in this album. Yeah, it's for me, it's almost there. It's But I'm, I'm waiting for the next one. This is when I started getting into Megadeth is with Rust in Peace. So the first two I'm okay with, but they would never make my list. Yeah, it's like their, their very first album, you know, Killing Is My Business is, eh. But it's, yeah, Peace Sells, as I had mentioned when we were talking about the 86, uh, in the 86 show where it's going, it's kind of their, for me, it's almost their, you know, it their masterpiece. Although I'll also give it to a couple of albums that happened in the 90s too. But yeah, but this one very much, it it's so odd because... I mean, it's got technically it has the first Megas, Megadeth song ever written because uh, "Set the World Afire" was the song that uh, that Mustaine wrote while after getting kicked out of uh, Metallica. Okay. And yeah, it's like and this this album's it's a short album, so there's not a whole heck of a lot to say. I've already basically I think went down every single song except uh, "Liar," which is a song about Chris Poland, who apparently. Uh, the band's former guitarist who had been fired for allegedly selling uh, band equipment for heroin. Oh my god! Yeah, so it, it's a lean, like, nine-track album, and it it moves quickly, and as I said, it has uh, a Sex Pistols cover on it, so... So I, I struggled with my top ten, again, like just like last year, and I'm probably going to struggle next year. It's the 90s where I really kick into high gear, so... You're going to see a lot of stuff on here I just threw in because I needed 10. So ACDC, Blow Up Your Video, not even close to being their top albums, but it's just a nice, oh, I'm comfortable. This sounds like ACDC. Had Heat Seeker, I think, is a great uh, first track. Uh, that's the way I want to rock and roll. And Mean Streak are a really great way to start the, uh, the album off. The rest is just your typical ACDC stuff. Not a whole lot to say, but if you love ACDC, it's right in that little spot for you. Yeah, pretty much. It's like uh, I think it's it's like Motorhead. When I brought in Motorhead, uh, they kind of have this straightforward. You, if you know, you know, you hear a album, you kind of have an idea of what another album's going to sound like. Different about them than anything like they bring to the table musically. Like you mentioned, Mean Streak, which kind of has this David Bowie fame thing going yeah, in it a little it. bit. Yeah. Where it's, I, do, I definitely feel like someone could mash these two songs up, and it would be pretty cool. I do feel like they're phoning but it in like, somewhat, know. and I think they knew this. That's why they took a couple years to really put together the Razor's Edge, which is their big comeback album. Uh, so I think they were just like, look, guys, we're really just doing the, the, the playbook here. Let's do something different. Yeah, it's definitely not, not their strongest effort. Although, it's, uh, it, it's one of those things where, thinking about it, I go... It's a. I keep forgetting that they put out albums in the '80s, because every time I think about it, I'm always thinking of like all the stuff they released in the '70s. I just kind of put that in the '80s. Like, oh yeah, you know, uh, 
for those about to rock or uh, high voltage that that was an that was like an 82 album wasn't it <laughs> all right what's your next one uh, my next one is nwa's straight out of compton you know the group that gave us easy e ice cube and doc motherfucking dre uh, i did not like this album i don't like this genre this mini genre within a genre i'm more uh new york hip-hop not la hip uh rap especially not gangster rap I mean, I know the hits off of this, but and I watched the movie. It's not my jam whatsoever. Oh, that, well, that's just it. It's like it is. I mean, for me, this thing is fire. I mean, straight out of Compton, fuck the police. Uh, MC uh, MC Ren's solo track, uh, if it ain't rough, is so fucking funky and groovy. It just you can't not move to this song. And granted, it also samples average white bands, A Star in the Ghetto, which makes a ton of sense why it's so funky. But it's also like his also other solo song, uh, Quiet on the Set, is also great. But it's like, uh, you know, one of the things where, while this isn't new or anything, uh, by, you know, by this point, uh, I'm trying to write my notes, I can't do it. This album shows return tableism kind of took us. The use of multiple samples uh, to create backbeats of these songs. You know, it's like, you know, this is something, like I said, kind of like the culmination of a lot of these practices that we saw, you know, with uh, Run DMC, with Af- what we didn't get to do because I dropped the ball on this one, but Africa Bombada, you know, of course, uh, uh, the album that we did, The Message, that we did earlier. Right. You know, all these things kind of, Kind of, kind of came together for this and especially this year we uh, a lot of the albums that we cover and oh sorry I'm hearing myself on your speaker <laughs> oh sorry moving it away yeah it's just kind of like, oh, I'm sorry I'm just getting distracted I'm getting distracted and like oh great I'm Shiny getting that, uh, <laughs> that reverb so but you know one of the best things though is uh, the song Express Yourself which is this on this album of anger and, you know, this is what life like on the streets. You have Express Yourself, which is a pretty uplifting track. And it's, you know, yeah, it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea, obviously, but there's so much talent in this album that it's just, it's it's kind of criminal that, that this album is kind of not lost, but everyone has such bigger careers now that this album feels like we're forgetting where it started. Yeah. Even though there is a movie. Right. So, my turn? But what do you got? Okay, yeah, so, got? uh, my next one is He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper by Fresh Prince and, oh, sorry, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. One of the very first albums I ever bought. Does it hold up as well as I remember it? No. But is it very comforting to listen to an album I listened to 9,000 times as a child? I knew like a lot of the samples and the beats and stuff like that now because I'm more educated in music and it was a lot of fun going, hey, I know that one. That one's, you know, this, this. Um, of course, this is notorious for two things. First off, this is the first album I think that ever hit number one that also won a Grammy. Well, uh, parents just don't understand really pushing it out there to the mainstream. But Nightmare on My Street was the one where they didn't get clearance for samples and they got sued and they had to pay up a big chunk of cash. Well, I think they got sued because of the video that they were trying to that they made for it. Oh, because they used the music. Is a, well, they they used the they used the, the samples, but that's partially because it was a song that was written for Nightmare on Elm Street Four. Was but it? Okay. Didn't get on the didn't get on the soundtrack. Uh... So they. So it's the I know that it's the video, and I think you can find the video on YouTube now. Okay. I did not go. I did not go looking for it. So, so you know, don't. Don't quote me, even though I'm being put on uh, wax here. <laughs> the uh, the DJ uh, skills, are, I think, are the most important part of this. I think sometimes now, looking back, Will Smith's rapping skills, they're fine, but they're also very simple, like meant for kids. It seemed like it was meant for, like, oh, hey, white teenagers in the suburbs. <laughs> this, is what, this is your opening door to that rap world. Yeah, it, this thing is, it's a very infectiously upbeat and fun album. Yeah, but I really some of the some and, of the tracks are know, insanely good uh, DJ work samples like Charlie Mac first out the limo I think is amazing. Uh, Brand new funk is a lot of uh, is really entertaining. Uh, just 
But I do think at the end they just filled it with like useless tracks. Like the last three are just completely useless. Yeah. It, well, I it's shortly thereafter after this one that uh, we got Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and it it's a lot of kind of proof in this because Will Smith very much feels like a fun, charismatic person on this album. That it makes sense that hey, let's see if this guy can act. Oh, he can act. Let's put him in things because we think he's very charming and fun. Yeah. You know what's funny is Parents Just Don't Understand is one of the most convoluted, confusing songs because he spends the first half talking about how his parents are so fucking cheap they won't get him modern clothes. But then the second half of the song, same kids, same parents, they have a hot rod and he's going to go ride it around. I'm like, what? No, what? <laughs> that doesn't line up. Well, it's never supposed to. It's, it's all fantasy anyway. Yeah. It's just a fun, simple album. I think the next one is probably his... No, what's next is... Uh, and in this corner, the one with uh, it, I Fought Mike Tyson, it's Summertime, whatever that one's called. I mean, it is yeah, called. It, yeah, the one that's after that one, which was at 90 or 91. Yeah, 91, that's the like his best uh, production. All right, your turn. But Yeah, it's... it's an, it, okay. Uh, my next one is Cocteau Twins, Blue Bell Knoll. And basically, this thing is just an ethereal, ethereal chill album. Yeah. I, I don't really have a lot to say because basically, this is just something that you could put on and relax and maybe fall asleep to. I did. I did. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it, it's like this, that psychic, psychic TV album I, I had you listen to. Like, this is more of an experience than it is like an album so much. You, you tune in, you allow it to wash over you, and you just kind of drift away. It's it's goth music, but it's not, you know, like a lot of the other gothy stuff that I've had where it's just kind of been existential dread and stuff like that. This is just kind of more, you know, peace, you know, peace with the universe sort mm -hmm. of thing, but not in a uh, uh, hippy-dippy sort of way. I have nothing to say. It was just like but one yeah. of those relaxing albums I fell asleep to, and I was like, ah, oh, that was pleasant. Yeah, cut. Cocktail Twins do, do some very, very good work. They kind of, this kind of hit, hit for them, but it really is uh, Heaven or Las Vegas that uh, kind of introduced them to the United States, and then they immediately went away after that, too. No one, it, they've always been just kind of like one of those bands just off to the side where if you, if you like the, that style of music, you'll like it. So if you like Enya, definitely check this shit out. Or at least this album. <laughs> Alright, so my next album right, is Even Worse by Weird Al. Uh, the big comeback album because the previous one, Polka Party, stunk up the joint. It bombed hard and this saved his career. Uh, looking back on it now, it's not that strong compared to a lot of his stuff. And I think the parodies are lazy. But what I do love are the originals. That uh, there is, you know, a parody of a style, not so much of a certain song, but um, You Make Me, which is kind of like an Oingo Boingo song, Melanie. Um, that one is, I love the ones that are dark and creepy, that are supposed to sound like they're sweet, and good old days. They're really fucked up. Well, it's like, I, I really like Alimony. I think uh, Think I'm a Clone Now is definitely my favorite song of the album. Uh I, really, this album, oh, like Lasagna, is terrible. It's yeah. a really crappy La Bamba parody. But th this thing is, this film, uh, this film, this album sails simply on the fact that the video for Fat is amazing. Like, yeah. the song has kind of lost its luster on me over, over the years. But that, but that video is something I'll still watch. Because it's just so, <laughs> so good. I think so off that well is how they so, got UHF. What about UHF? Oh, I said I think because of the strength of that video is how they got hired to do UHF. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because I think that's that the director of UHF is his video director. So. Correct. Yeah, yeah, at the time. Now he does so his they, own stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it, it very much shows that the... Uh, Sorry, the the stuff about this album is, you're like you're right. I don't think it's, in retrospect, as good as later material. Like, we we did uh, his third album, and that was, and that's kind of like where you see all the bones start start to come together. 
we get here and it's the strength of his original material that kind of is better showcased than his parodies. Right. And then into the 90s, that's kind of where the these materials start to mesh really well because then it's just hit after hit after hit. Right, and he hasn't done and the I, polka medley on a couple albums. He did it with uh, Dare to be Stupid, and he would bring that back, I think, in 92 or 96, and that's when it became a regular thing. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's like the last one that doesn't have that doesn't have the medley. Yeah. And it kind of it kind of feels naked without it. Having listened to a lot of his, you know, knowing most of his later albums and listening. Right, right. All right, what's next? All right, my next album is Denzig, aka Denzig One, <laughs> self-titled album from former Misfit singer Glenn Danzig. Can I tell you this? This is the yeah. best album you chose. What's that? I've never heard Danzig in my life except for that song, Mother. I love this album. I'll be honest, this is probably the only good Danzig album. Danzig 2 is all right, but for the most part, this is the best thing, including all of uh, Sam Ween, uh, all of his, you know, everything that he's done, This is and all the Misfit stuff, this is the best thing he's done is Danzig one and it's you know produced by Rick Rubin it has you know not just uh not mother but twist of Kane no oh, yeah that's yeah, good yeah well here's the thing is like, what she... he was doing at the time was kind of a throwback to the doors and like muddy dark metal of the 70s or not even that like um damn it fear the reaper don't fear it uh, t- oh blue oyster cult blue oyster cult stuff like that he he has inflections of that and thin lizzy in this album, he's not doing what every other metal guy was either doing, was either thrash or hair metal, you know, glam metal, I guess is what it's called now. But uh, he just went to get, he was kind of like the cult. They were doing their own thing. Yeah, and that's the thing is, this whole album was kind of, he, basically Rick Rubin hired him to American because uh, he we wanted uh, Sam Ween, but uh, it was this, you know, like death rock punk group and you can put, get get this elements here and this element here, and we're going to maybe kind of heavy up and slow down your sound a bit, and we're going to make this interesting sonicscape. So it's like Danzig had creative freedom on this, but Rick Rubin did kind of, uh, you know, it was kind of like this was his brainchild, really. Yeah, so he's molding it, and they filled the mold. Yeah, which is funny is because there's also... Uh, I was just like one of the most weirdly sexy sexual songs on the, you know, like ever heard is uh, She Rides, which is, it's, I mean, like it's, it's very, it's a very sexy song, but it's not like stripper sexy, like uh, my crew or even like a Marvin Gaye, you know, sensually sexy. It's just I, metal sexy. Yeah. Something. Okay, but metal yeah, sexy is a new word I've never heard it, before. This is a hell of an album. <laughs> but yeah, this is a hell of an album. Yeah, I really And if it. you've never listened to it, this is, again, the best the best one of, of his stuff. Okay. So what you got? Operation Mindcrime, the breakthrough for Queensryche. Queensryche? Queensryche. <laughs> um, I literally have nothing to say. It's... I don't know why. I chose this. I think I, another one just to fill out the 10, and it was critically acclaimed. It's fine. I like it. It's it's a story-based album, which concept albums can be really amazing or just fall apart. And it, it, I think it's, it succeeds. Yeah, it's like, it's a, the story's about Nikki, a heroin addict, who ends up becoming a puppet of, totally turned into a assassin puppet of a corrupt demagogue. He falls in love with a former prostitute turned nun, starts to break away from his programming, only to lose the prostitute slash nun, uh, spirals into insanity, ends up in a mental hospital, then realizes what he became and how broken he is. And yeah, it's I I like this album enough, but I I because I remember you saying that you hadn't heard much in the way of Queen's right before. Yeah. So I was debating doing this one, and then I went, yeah, but Empire's a better album. Yeah, I was gonna say, is, this the, is Empire the one after this? Empire's the one after this. Okay, yeah, that's the and one I, I gonna, heard. So, I mean, bits and pieces. I was, gonna, 
Yeah, I was going to go with that one, or I was going to do uh, Promised Land, which is the follow-up to that, which is actually the first Queensryche album I heard, and I love that one to, to completely. It's, I think, as as a as a whole, I think both those albums are far better than uh, than anything Mindcrime has. But yeah, Mindcrime is a good prog rock album. Yeah, slash metal album. Not really single oriented. No, you got what Operation Mindcrime and God. I think it's like the last song in the album are really things that could be their own their own singles. But even then, not so much because it's all part of the story. All right, your turn. All right, we got Fishbones, Truth and Soul. I love this one, too. I forgot. I really enjoyed this, but I've already been listening to Fishbone for about a year now, and uh, I'm down. I'm down, buddy. That's the thing. It's one of those bands where I really listened... I wish I had listened to them earlier in life, because this this album in particular, it's funk reggae ska. It's wild. You know, uh, you got Freddy's Dead, which is this wicked cover of the Curtis Mayfield song from Superfly. Uh Uh-huh. Mon Pa is this uh, ska track that feels like it fell backwards in time from like a decade ahead. You know, there's... Yeah, uh, it sounds like it's something from The Urge. I don't know if you know The Urge, but yeah. No, but it like it's, it does sound like it's a late 90s ska track. But you have like uh, Mighty Long Way feels like like it's a different, you know, from a different band. Like it's a funkier Boston track. You know, it's like... It, I'm not a big fan of ska, but everything about this album is an example of what I like about ska. I love ska. I'm, you're going to suffer in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, my God, you're going to suffer. But, but, yeah, it's such a... This... It was this or, I think, uh, you know, one... There, there's, like, a, not the next album, but the album after it are both, like, just things I was toying with doing and this one just kind of won out but also i still probably jump into another fishbone album later yeah but what you got next all right so the next one i have is epmd strictly business maybe the best hip-hop album that nobody recognizes as a classic and i'm telling you listening to it now and i said it yesterday on social media i, I i'm guaranteeing you paul's boutique <laughs> the bones were laid for that album with this What's this? I don't think I've ever. Oh, well, I know I never heard this album, but I feel like I sure I've heard Strictly Business at some point. That 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 song, and you know it's like that. I think is awesome. I'm housing is a sick track, but then kind of after that the album falls off a bit. No, oh, I quit the show. It's not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not that it's bad. It's not that it's bad, and. Eric and Parrish flow really well. You know, it's like, it's just, those initial tracks do kind of catch you, but it doesn't, they doesn't manage to hold you at any point after that. Just kind of like, yeah, here's some more songs. Check it out. Uh, you know, it's I like, just... I think DJ Kayla Boss, uh, that is an amazing turntablism track, though. Yeah, what, here's what I think the problem you know, is maybe for people, because um, you've heard all of this before. But this is the first album I've ever heard this at this time. I've never heard samples mixing like this uh, before. I, this is a breakthrough album for me because I don't think anybody else was attempting this. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. It, it, their, their use of sample... Well, actually, I think that's more of like Eric B, though. The Eric, Yeah, Eric B and Rakim, I think, is the one that use a little bit... Uh, uh, yeah, use a little bit samples a little bit differently and I yeah think well, well we, we might as well just flow right into that we'll do two <laughs> years in a row because that's my next one i think eric b and rakim is more dj oriented they're not interested in singles whereas epmd is looking for singles well it seems like eric b and rakim are trying to do like a concept uh uh prog like a prog rock of hip-hop if you know what i mean well it's like this album it's so damn smooth it's like a good whiskey you know, Rakim's Ra- vocals aren't spilling out like bile, like on Straight Outta Compton. You know, it's jazz. His, you know, and this uh, this is kind of a dumb sounding thing, I admit, but his his vocals are 
more of an instrument than a tool of communication or preaching or anything no, like no, that. No, no, I get that. I get that. Yeah, it's like he's he's not it doesn't like he's not he's like out to change the world like KRS one or he's not there to show you how shitty things are like NWA. Right. He's he's giving us art. And you know, it's like the the samples and everything, it complements the beats more than kind of overlay or take the lead on songs. It's it's all like perfectly composed as opposed to uh you know, like a, like free form or you know something where it's just a DJ doing something. This is a lot more kind of purposeful, if that even makes sense. If or else I'm seeming like I, I'm hoping I'm not like sounding like I'm trying to downplay anyone's talent. No, 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 no. So no I, I completely get it. It's just this different is vibes. This is filled with so much talented. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, now I done two in a row. You do two in a row. All right, so let me get my notes back up, and we will do two of my albums in a row. All right, Neil Young's "This Notes for You." I was surprised now, how much I, I like keep... this. It's bluesy. It's uh, really fun. Yeah, that's like I keep throwing curveballs, don't I? Yeah, <laughs> I prefer the curveballs. Yeah, like, you know, that's the thing. Is like I, I've not, I've never been a huge Neil Young fan, but you know, it's like. I've heard Harvest. I know Buffalo Springfield. Thanks to my dad, I know Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. But you know, it, this was no offense to my dad and all the stuff that he played. You know, it's this was really my introduction to Neil Young. Because the uh, music video to this was such a uh, interesting concept, where he's just sitting there and making fun of '80s advertising and and all that, and the track being about how he's not a sellout yeah i remember that and everything else on this album ends up being this amazing blues rock thing that it's just you know it's not that the i won't say it's the album that that sold me on blues rock or made me a fan of blues rock but it just makes me love blues rock all that much more it's a it's a mixer it's of just, uh, blues and bar band, you know, because that was a big thing in the '80s because of Huey Lewis and News and all those other guys, like guys that grew, you know, spent a decade working the bar scene before they broke out. That's it. Feels like it's influenced by that as well. Oh, very much so. And it, it, just just imagine seeing this this album performed live with that horn section. Yeah, I wish I was ten to fifteen years older, just so that I would have had that opportunity to have seen that in my youth yeah it's uh if you bring horns pretty much into anything i'm fucking there yeah god it's this um i don't know if necessarily it's my favorite album of the of the pick of, of all these ones i picked but it's if it's not the top album it's pretty damn close okay now my next one is sonic youth's daydream nation oh shit i forgot to listen to one uh, oh, you did, huh? Yes, I just realized I didn't listen to that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, well, it's Sonic Youth is noise rock. It's kind of like the Pixies if the Pic Pixies weren't you know, completely full of themselves. Uh-huh. Although Sonic Youth is still kind of full of themselves. <laughs> but uh, that's the thing. Is, if you're our age or maybe leaning towards uh, Michael's age, uh, this is an album that you Matthew probably Murray, are familiar dude. with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I'm, by saying that, I'm a little shocked that you you don't know this one? No, I've never listened to Sonic Youth. Yeah, because, like, this one, uh, you know, it's, like, kind of like, uh, even if I didn't really, I kind of started listening to music, like, around 93. But, you know, it's, I still ended up hearing about Daydream Nation. It was, like, Nevermind or Melancholy Infinite Sadness. It just kind of was there. You know, just the strength of... Uh, Teenage Riot, especially, just it it sits there and kind of takes a hold of you. And this this really did kind of break them big, and so they ended up getting a chance to go onto a major label. And I'll be honest, Teenage Riot is still really the best album on best song on the album. Uh -huh. Everything else is kind of fluctuates. There's some really I. I I had forgotten that it's because it's a two, you know, like a double, double-sized album. Right. I keep kind of forgetting 
that it does kind of have filler in it. And the filler isn't as good. You know, it definitely feels like they were padding for this one. Even though this is, again, the album that really got them, you know, got them noticed. Right, the bigger label one to sign them. Yeah, it, it still feels padded and a bit overlong. But if at the same time, though, if you're going to listen to a Sonic Youth album, this is still the first one I would throw in front of anybody. Okay. Yeah, it's like Goo. Goo's pretty good, but yeah, I'd, I'd still say, here, try that. So what is your next one? Uh, my next one is Metallica and Justice for All. Really nothing to say. You don't know this album. There's something wrong. Like, you were in a coma. Sorry. Uh, you need to catch up. No last like real thrash album till death magnetic uh you know because the next one is when they kind of start expanding their sound um just lots of classics on there i don't think it's their best thrash album i still think that's ride the lightning but uh that's really all i have to say uh it's a really well-known album so there's not a whole lot to like dive into yeah chronologically speaking this is this might be the first metal album i ever heard because uh, my an older cousin of mine was babysitting me in like '89 or '90, I can't remember exactly when, and he played something that was metal, and this was probably because I doubt he was going to be playing me Slayer or something. <laughs> so, I've I know this this album like the back of my hand. It is it is a solid album, but it's also like you said, kind of the beginning of Metallica, Metallica's decline. Black album is still. I never like say eight. that. I never said those words. I just say that it just it's their change because I still respect their albums except for Saint Anger, which I cannot get through. No, no, no. Saint Anger is a piece of shit completely. Then, but that's the thing is, it's the Black album. You know, while I'm not going to bitch at it like some people might uh, that it's not a thrash album, it's still a, it's still a perfect gateway album to get people into metal. Load and reload. I, I may want to. I think we might, at least on my end, we may talk about reload. Uh, maybe both of them, but if we do both, I might. I, I'll talk to you about that later. Okay. Uh, but uh, that's the thing. It's like you kind of they kind of slide down until they get back up to thrash with Death Magnetic, and that's kind of return to form. But yeah, it's like this is kind of the beginning of that that downward downward curve. But it's you know listening to uh, listening to Harvest of Sorrow was I forgot how crushing that song is, and it's a shame that the bass was basically mixed into Oblivion. Yeah, because just imagine how heavy that song would be with Cliff Burton bass, and like I have. I've never heard a good live version of this. Like, I have the three di three discs uh, re-released of this, and it has a live, you know, a live version of it, but you can't really hear the bass. And granted, from what I understand, the bass basically was just chasing the leads. Uh -huh. So it's, there's no, you know, they could have remixed this album and had the bass a little more prominent, but at the same time, it probably wouldn't have brought anything to it. But that's also because Jason Newstead isn't as good a bassist as as Burton or even his his uh, follow up Trilo. Uh, so, you know, he guy was in the biggest band in the world, but he's not exactly up to snuff. Uh, yeah, he's he's definitely not the the same power level as all these other guys, right? All right, you're so there. it's understandable also that's why it would be gone. Okay. My next album, then, is gonna be Boogie Down Productions by All Means Necessary. I, this is a middle one for me. I like some of it, but I didn't really like... Uh, I don't know. I just feel like it was lower-level um, Public Enemy. Uh, I, can, I can see where some of that is, but it Honestly, I kind of think it's like it really thinks, makes me think a little bit more of Grandmaster Flash. That's what I was trying to think of earlier, because uh, you got my philosophy, stop the violence, and I'm I'm still number one, which are you know these sorts of things where you have uh, Karis One basically out there preaching stuff, 
and you know kind of yes he's very braggadocious as well i'm still number one is very very much a you know name drop is down with us thing but it's also filled with very self-reflective lyrics at the same time so you kind of have this boastful song that is yet also self you know filled with you know actual introspection and again my philosophy stop the violence other things that are about wanting to change the world in this game. and uh, this is just you know it's just it's a hell of an album that uh, it just it's a shame because the, it's because of it's a follow-up to their uh, first album and a response to the fact that uh, in the first after the first album was released and the co-founder DJ Scott LaRock was killed. Oh, wow. Which is basically why this is more or less a KRS-One solo album. Although, uh, looking into it, I'm not sure if there was anyone who necessarily guessed uh, on it or not. Like, Because uh, there are some guests, but like uh, DJ rapper, beatboxer, D-Nice is was on the first album and I can't figure out if he is actually on this one or not looking up you know credits and stuff but yeah this thing like 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 with NWA you have a lot of uh, stuff that is still true today and it's really fucking sad to hear that we have we have yet to find you know grow from this bullshit of uh, you know skin color being you know it basically, it's illegal to be a certain skin color in this country sometimes. Yeah. And I think one of the best things about this is the last track is this spoken word outro uh, called Necessary, which is about the hypocrisy of what is acceptable violence in this country. And it's like, I kind of wish it was an intro to the album, but you kind of, having this thing kind of, you leave this album with a sermon. And you get these final thoughts, and I think that also worked really well. So, it's a shame you didn't like it as much. Yeah, I also got overwhelmed with too many albums all at once. I got really locked in on EPMD so much, and I was like, "Yeah, this is my <laughs> shit right here." I think I listened to it like six yeah. times. <laughs> but all right, so what do you got next? Run DMC, tougher than leather. That was the very first thing I put on this list, and I can't fucking remember a thing about it. Can I tell you that I forgot to eat something before I started drinking? And I'm a lightweight. <laughs> oh, no. Have I mentioned this yet? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, we're, we're, both in, we're both enjoying our uh, good beverage. <laughs> uh, I just remember <laughs> Run's House, of course, being a big single off this, but Mary Mary's the one that I love because I'm a huge Monkees fan. Don't you give me any shit. I love the Monkees. Uh, and it's a cover of that, and I really enjoy it. That's the only thing I can fucking remember. Besides, it's like a soundtrack to a movie that I've never seen, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, definitely a soundtrack to to a film where uh, yeah, it's actually directed by Rick Rubin, and I've never seen it either, so I don't know. But but yeah, this is you know hell. Run DMC. It, looking at it, it's like they're really along with Anthrax, like the progenitors of new metal. Because they use a lot of hard rock and metal in their music. Yeah. And they, that's the thing. It's like, this album's all right. It's part of the problem with this is it's kind of like Injustice for All, where it's a little bit hurt by the fact the previous album is a fucking masterpiece. And how do you follow up on that? Right, right. And like it, said, it does seem like it's a letdown from the last one. Yeah, it's like Run's House, Mary Mary, Tough and Leather are amazing. Uh, on the version that I listened to has what was a non-album track, Christmas and Hollis, which is an amazing track. But everything else in there is just kind of, you know, kind of there. And it's like, you know, uh, part of it's like, I try to take each of these albums as a piece of art on their own because, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum. Uh, you do end up kind of like comparing it to other things that we've listened to and... It, compared to a lot of the other albums we've listened to, especially the hip hop ones, it's yeah, it's not as solid. But still, it's Run DMC. 
Most run DMC is better than no run DMC. Right, as I say, and they kind of have a huge comeback. I remember in like '93 with Down with the King. And uh, I, I definitely think it's not that their last, not Crown Royal, but it's the one right before it. I really want to take a listen to because maybe that, actually that might be the one that they were thinking of because it has like Tom Morello on it and Q Tip. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's like I really want to take a listen to that one. God damn it, why did I drink? I, I just started drinking the minute I got home. We're like 40 minutes into this, and I'm, I need to go eat some food. Let's hurry up and finish this album before I throw off. Yeah, let's, let's rush. Let's rush it. We got like two, two more albums to go <laughs> each. Or I got two at least. Uh, next one is Living Color, Vivid. Oh, God. Now, now I used to listen to it all the time when I was a kid because my friend Andy McDaniel said this is his favorite, so we listened to it at his house all the time. It was very comforting to revisit an old friend. Yeah. But not Anime Dan because that asshole, all he would do is talk about the same shit from high school years and years later. He's like that guy in that song, uh, uh, Golden Years. What is what's Glory Years by uh, Bruce Springsteen? If that song was a person, it's Anime Daniel. <laughs> and you remember that time, but, freshman year? Yes, god damn it. Every single fucking time I see you, you have to go over the story. <laughs> but, oh man, this album just... It's a hard rock funk album. It's, you know, maybe you also be called funk punk. It is, you know, both of personality just starts everything off, kicks your ass, and then it never stops. Like, it, it's a little bit, it does uh, vary a little bit because you've got, like, uh, Open Letter to a Landlord, which is, like, this arena rock song. But, oh, my God. It's, like, so funky, so hard. It's... It's just a wicked album. I love this album so much. I'm trying to remember what album we're talking. Oh, and let me cut. Let me color. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> fuck! I'm an idiot. I hate this. Um. Uh, okay, so my next one is Traveling Wilburys, uh, self-titled. Uh, just a collection of some of the greatest guys in adult rock at the time. We had Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, George Harrison. Uh, what's the guy from? Jeff- yeah, Jeff, Lynn, Jeff, Jeff Lynn, Lynn and Mielo. Roy Orbison. Sadly, yeah, I think Roy, Roy Orbison died before it was over, right? Before they finished recording. Yeah. It's just or really. No, a, I think I think they yeah. finished recording, but he died after. Like, oh, okay. Just shortly thereafter. It's just a really fun uh, layered album. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's there's nothing. I will say this, there's nothing wrong with this album in any way. I will say that it does sound like. Uh, five people who make more or less different types of music making five you know an album that's filled with five guys who make different kinds of music so each song kind of it doesn't conceptually mesh as well as it really you think it would you would hope that it would but (laughs) there's not none of these songs are bad it's not you're not sitting there going why am I listening to this bullshit you know it's like it's just, oh yeah, it's a it's a singles collection of, you know, a bunch of people who got together and just said, fuck it, we're making an album. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, you're right. It does have a different flow through it. it. You know, every song is slightly different. It's just like everybody coming together to write friends for each other. Do I write friends for each yeah. other? I, I write songs for each other. Yeah, it. They all basically kind of got together. You know, each. I I love reading. I remember uh, one of the stories when they uh, got together where it's like, you know, they, uh, I think it was George Harrison got up to, uh, went to Bob Dylan and just kind of like, yes, I know you're Bob Dylan. You are amazing. We're going to treat you like you're anyone else. And Bob Dylan basically kind of went, yes, I'm in awe of all of you. And I agree. We're just going to talk to you like you're anyone else. So they basically, all these guys who you would imagine have big egos and it's my way or the highway. Yeah all sat down and went we're gonna make an album and push all that ego aside to do what's best for each song and somehow managed to do more than one yeah cause you know these super groups are although really only, hard to hold together although again it's kind of a shame well it's a shame but it's also funny that it's the second album is volume three what? And the what they've always kind of felt was, oh, is Traveling Willberry's Volume One, and their second album is Volume Three. And kind of a joke would be is if they had ever put out a bootleg 
of a live show, that would be volume two. Album titles, that's all. Yeah, okay. Where are we at? Okay, uh, we're on, I think, my last one. Yeah, so do we want to say what our uh, things that we could have put on there was? Nah, no. They all suck. All right. I had so much trouble just getting 10. But you can if you want. a good one. Okay, a couple of ones I was thinking of. Dead Milkman's Beezle Bubba. Oh, was not oh I forgot that even existed. He's still dead all the time. Son of a bitch. My Life with a Thrill Kill Colts debut album. One Day We Will Get a Skinny Puppy on here. Uh, Lita, For- Lita Ford's uh, Lita album. Public Enemies, it takes a nation of millions. Oh, yeah, that almost made it on mine. Pixie Surfa Rosa, which is like the only Pixies album I like. And uh, Girls Schools Take a Bite. But my last one is Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl. Oh, God, it's so comforting hearing this album. This was going to make my list, but you got it first. And uh, every time I hear Straight Up, I get so fucking happy. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But it's just like Opposites of Track is such a banger, and it has that uh, awesome video with her uh, dancing around with the uh, cartoon MC Scat Cat. Yeah, that was it's such like, a fun uh, video. That and um, well, there's so many singles off of this one, and I, it, I might be wrong about this. I'm not gonna do the research because why bother? And I want to be wrong. Uh, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, I think, were producers on this, and that's what I named my testicles. <laughs> Oh, sorry. I've always sorry. had a nickname for my I'm balls. Sorry, Jimmy yeah, Jimmy yeah, I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> for like 30 years now, that's been their name. Um, but, oh, I, I will say this, though. Uh, Forever Your Girl, I always get that song mixed up with Shanice's I Love Your Smile for some reason. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, just it. the songs sound nothing alike, but for some reason it's just that the I love your smile just turns into forever your girl in my head and this is literally the only album with this kind of sound that I will fucking tolerate because this is a plague from 87 to like 91 92 throughout pop music that makes me want to fucking chunder yeah it's like I New Jack Swing is a fun genre to I know. listen to there's some of this you listen New Jack Swing some of this is just shit yeah, the problem is too much of it is re- so redundant, and they really folk they, they went way too into that. Yeah, the synth yeah, pop. Like, We're trying to pretend everything's just a fucking shitty synth. But my, probably my favorite song in this album is "I Need You" because oh my god, the the awesome eighty sax uh, sax on it is just just Chef's kiss. I love that song, and it's like. Not even based on nostalgia, because if I was going to base my favorite song on nostalgia, yeah, it's like Straight Up or Opposites Attract. But I Need You is such a better song than both. I was wrong. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis aren't on this one. They must have been on Janet Jackson's. This one has Ellie Reed, uh, Babyface, and Glenn Ballard. Those are the guys that are the big producers during this time. She's not the greatest singer in the world. Uh, You can tell it's lifted a little bit through the music. It's, you know, kind of covering up. She has a thin sound. But I still think she has a keen ear for what, or, yeah, ear for picking what would make a a hit song. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's surprising that, you know, it's like you have this girl who who was uh, picked up to be a cheerleader for the the Lakers, ended up becoming their, uh, their choreographer, ended up becoming a music video choreographer, and then just kind of went, I can sing, and got a record deal. Yeah. At least they have to use auto-tune to cover it up like they do everybody fucking now. Yeah, no. At least she can sing at least somewhat. Yeah, as it's kind of like to... the, the Britney Spears role. I still say Britney Spears can sing, but when you compare her to like, her fellow Mickey Mouse Club people like you know, Christiana Aguilera, it's not even close. She has a thinner sound. Yeah. Yeah, it's she isn't she wouldn't have had a very long storied career had you know had she just stuck with the singing. She she was smart enough to at least kind of find a way to make herself relevant by becoming a uh, singing judge. 
But your last one. My last one is really simple. This is more like the way you had with Cocteau Twins. Is Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet. Uh, the album, like the Savvy Show, something, something. I can't remember. Um, it's more of like just a mood. It's just classic surf music mixed with kind of like a, a more modern sound. At least, you know, for 80s modern sound. Uh, if you know the name, but you're not sure where it connects, it's uh, they do the theme song for Kids in the Hall. That was the thing is I have never I never knew this band's name, and then you know it's like I saw the have you know having an average weekend. I'm like, oh wait, that's the theme song for uh, for Kids in the Hall, as you said, and because I only knew that because I had uh, gotten the song from Brain Candy, yeah, it was off off my Spotify, so I'm like. Okay, so that's I'm curious what these guys sound like, and then I was I don't want to say disappointed, <gasps> but that's it's like, okay. but it's kind of like you got good cop, bad cop, which which I go like I I started my notes like this sounds a little like the theme to Kids in the Hall, yeah. and then I said going like is this all instrumental, and then like okay it's surf rocky, it's okay, you know it, but really it's kind of geared to fans of the stuff, and yeah. then I. By the time I got to the end of it, I went. This really, they really should have just been a soundtrack band, like uh, like doing scores. Oh almost, yeah, like, like Tangerine Dream smart. and uh, uh, Pray for Rain kind of did. Yeah, it's they they really should be doing TV sound, you know, scores and things like that. Granted, they're it's very surf rocky, so you, they are a little limited, but uh, it did feel like the stuff, their instrumental stuff, really really kind of geared itself towards that mental that mental picture for me so that's it it's not bad but Yay. definitely not what i was expecting i gotta go i gotta right. eat something yep. to soak this up i feel like an asshole i'm really sorry john i just didn't, <laughs> I just didn't right. think about it i had no food and i was just slowly sipping this throughout the whole episode and now i'm not well all right, so we're going to save video games for another episode next week. I swear to God, I'll be sober. Uh, uh, i got to go. We're on Facebook under Hit Rewind. John, where are you at? I'm on Twitter, musician, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. I'm also streaming on uh, Twitch. Same name, musician. Do video game stuff. Play Mass Effect. It's awesome. Cool. Bye, everybody. Later. <laughs>